Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Good evening, fight fans, to the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 133. My name is Felipe Leon from Tijuana, Mexico, and just jumping in right now from the Bay Area in Northern California is Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I, I was looking at some stuff on Kenya Enriquez, and then I looked at the clock. I'm like, oh, my God, it's 7.30. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> okay, good. Because, like, you just let the cat out of the bag. And before we uh, introduce our third co-host, we do have on the show tonight a two-time world <laughs> champion, Kenya from Tijuana, Mexico, who will be fighting this Friday night. And we'll give you all the details about that fight. And she's going to be with us in about 15 minutes. But from the Inland Empire, just east of his hometown of East L.A., Mr. David Avila, David, how are you doing tonight? Very good. Uh, good evening to everybody. And there you have it, folks. Well, here's the panel. The, the panel has been together for quite a while, 133 shows of the two-minute round. This panel hasn't been around that long, but this is the longest-reigning panel of the two-minute round. There hooks and jabs. Look, at female boxing, we're going to go through uh, the fight review. We're going to speak to Kenya Enrique somewhere in the middle of that, and then we're going to give you the calendar of what is coming up in the next two or three weeks of female boxing. So let's let's look back um, to starting off on uh, October 13th from New York City. Heather Hardy scored a unanimous decision over Calista Delgado in a six-rounder at 135 pounds. The scores there were 60-54 and 58-56 two times, David. And when I was looking at this, you know, because I knew we were going to start off with this fight, I was thinking, you know, Heather Hardy, we all know that she's, you know, started off a little bit late in uh, in, in boxing. She's 40 years old, but her record is, is pretty impressive. She's 23-2 and two with only four knockouts, but still 23-2. and two. We all know her, that she's willing to fight anybody. She's ready – She's ready to scrap. She's fought in mixed martial arts. She hasn't had that much luck in MMA. Actually, guy beating up kind of bad in MMA. But in boxing, um, she's done very well for herself. She's actually coming off two straight losses against Amanda Serrano and Jessica Camaro, which were her only uh, loss, her first two losses in her whole career. And then she just got back in the winning uh, winning column with the Unanimous decision on Calista Selgado uh, on October 13th. But in what direction do you want to see Heather Hardy go here at 135 pounds and and at 40 years old, David? Um, well, she's always been, like you said, she's always been a very tough fighter. I mean, she's proved it. I mean, how many people can say they went the distance with Amanda Serrano? I mean, she did. And I think another thing, too, is that she's she is an icon of uh, American 
female fighting. Uh, I think many people forget, and I, I always remember this, is that she was one of the first to fight on television after a long drought. And, she, and I always remember because it came out the same day that Clarissa Shields fought in the Olympics and won the gold, and then later on, Heather Hardy fought uh, against uh, Shelly Vincent on TV, and they had a heck of a fight and kind of stole the show. And I remember that kind of like launched women. That was perfect because they gave a great fight. And then, you know, a couple, uh, a year later, less than a year later, Clarissa Shields entered the pro world and then other women followed, Katie Taylor. And and I kind of always give credit to Heather Hardy making the first spark that year in 2016. Yeah, that was on uh, October 21st, 2016, her first fight against Shelly Vincent, which was for the WBC International Featherweight title, which was vacant. She won a majority decision. And that's what, on this show, uh, we've always credited as kind of like the beginning of this new wave that we're on right now, where, as you mentioned, you know, Clarissa Shields is one of the top fighters there, Amanda Serrano, uh, 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 Katie Taylor and everything that we've seen on the Zone and ESPN Plus and on and on, you know, top rank signing Michaela Mayer and uh, and you know the Zone signing all those fighters, you know that kind of like sparked it. Maybe they had they were thinking about it and then that fight and that date is what got it started. Lupi, do you think it's in Heather Hardy's best interest? She stay at 135 pounds. She fought Amanda Serrano. She was like a, like, she actually had fought Shelly Vincent at featherweight, um, you know, and she had been like a, a career featherweight up to Amanda Serrano, and then she went up to 135, skipping 130, fought Jessica Camara and lost the United decision there, actually dropping Camara in the first round, and now this is her second fight at 135 pounds. Do you see anything for her at Maybe not 126, because maybe being 40 years old, she maybe can't make that weight anymore, but at 130? Well, if she wants to stick at 135, that's where all the action is. That's where all the action is. And like you said, she's an icon. She's a legend. She's tough as hell. Those girls, I mean, she was supposed to take that fight with, um, and she got hurt with uh, Terry Harper, right? Here comes... So, and she'll be welcome because it's not like they're going to kind of, those girls will shut her out. I don't think they'll shut her out. I think they'll welcome her right in the 135 because they're going to think, you know, it's a great fight. She'll put up a great fight, but we'll win. That's what they'll probably think. So I think they're going to welcome her. They're not going to shut her out. You know, there's a girl that I talked to at the Hall of Fame. Um, she's Michaela Neville. She's um, in yeah. Vegas. She fought Heather Hardy twice. Yeah. And she also she fought Shelly Vincent. Vincent. Yeah. She fought Shelly, uh, fought Shelly Vincent. Um, Very good. Cobra Ruiz. So she was talking. Hey, I, and she's like a, a four and nine. And she goes, that's what my record shows, but it's not really what I am. She And you could see by... Uh, do you see her, Michaela Neville? She's fought people. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, she was like, maybe I can get a trilogy, you know. So th- I think there's a there's stuff for Heather. They're, I think they're going to welcome her. all the way from you know Terry Harper, all these other girls that are right in there, and girls like Michaela are like, I'll do, you know, I think there's demand for Heather Hardy. Yeah. Uh, 
Mikhail, uh, yeah, actually, I think we've seen her fight live. Mikhail Neville started off her career six zero and six, fighting Nidia Feliciano, Heather Hardy, Shelly Vincent, Heather Hardy. She got her first win over Maricel Miranda and then Kristen Montano. Then she lost to Sharita Metcalf, lost to Adelaila Reese, who I think is where we saw her fight. Um, yeah. And then got a couple more wins. And then her last fight was in May of 2021 when she lost the unanimous decision to Amina at Featherweight. Yeah, so she hasn't fought in, in, uh, in more than a year, about a year and a half. So hopefully if she's still uh, trying to get in the game, she gets another opportunity. And we move on to mm-hmm. Friday, October 14th from Niagara Falls. Go ahead, David. No, she's actually a very good fighter. I mean, that's the first thing I noticed that she had a, she was very good and she's fighting the the A side, you know. Mhm. Yeah, she got she found some tough fighters. I mean, from the get go. So let's see what happens. Somebody kind of, uh, you know, get her some fights. Uh, going on from Friday, October 14th, from Niagara Falls in New York, Mike Mikaya Krebs scored a unanimous decision. In a six-rounder, Carmeri Matos Vargas at 118 pounds scores over 58-55 three times. And on Saturday, October 15th, from Australia on the zone, Sky Nicholson scored a unanimous decision or Christina Jacobs in a 10-rounder at featherweight. Scores there were 189, 99-90, and 98-91. And I, I watched that fight earlier today, and uh, I was pretty impressed with Sky Nicholson, even though she has... She, she doesn't have that many fights. She has less than 10 bouts. She looks pretty poised in there. She looks like, she, you know, she has a lot more experience than her, than her uh, record shows. And, uh, and it looks like she knows how to use her. She's 5-0 and, excuse me, five and with zero knockouts on Southpaw. But she really knows how to use her, her physical advantage. She looked a little taller than Christina Jacobs, and she was able to kind of use her movement to stay on the outside. And before fighting Christina Jacobs, she actually beat Gabriela Bouvier, an ex-world champion, uh, uh, in an eight-rounder in June of, of uh, this year. Lupe, did you get a chance to see this fight? And what do you think about Sky Nicholson? You know what? I didn't watch this fight. But um, I, I like what you're saying about Sky. I mean, because I, I think she's getting better. I mean, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, but I didn't watch this fight. So David, did you get a chance? Yeah, I just saw a clip of it, but uh, uh, every time she fights, she's improving. She's understanding the pro game more and more. Because even if you're a great amateur fighter, and it, it, it's a different style. And she's starting to understand the difference between uh, amateurs and pros. And pros is more for entertainment, and that means uh, punching and punching with authority. And she's getting it. She's setting up... Uh, does very well. I, I think she's, I think she's a comer. I think she's going to be a world champion very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, they're kind of like, I mean, they're moving her pretty well. I, I don't understand. Yeah, they're doing okay. I mean, they, they started off with Jessica Juarez here at San Diego. I remember that. I was that fight, but I remember that fight happening. And then they, she fought Beck Connolly, a, a big veteran from England. She came back to the States, fought Shaniqua Paisley-Davis. Then she fought the ex-world champion Gabriela Bouvier, obviously way outside her, her original weight class for Bouvier of Uruguay. And now she just beat Christina Jacobs. So they're actually doing a good job with her. 
She's fought five times in this year. I don't know if they're going to be able to squeeze in one more before the end of the year. Um, but they're moving her fairly quickly, so that that is pretty good. You're going to say something, Lupi? Um, no, that's funny. No, I wasn't going to say something, but I was when you were saying how they're moving her along. I, I thought about the fight before, which was Makaya Kreps USA versus a Puerto Rican um, Cara Marie, and that's mm-hmm. another one who who we should be watching. Um, they just had their fight. They were both three and zero, and Makaya is an a USA standout, and so Cara Marie was a Puerto Rican amateur standout. And mm-hmm. one of their O had to go, and it was Makaya. So she's another one. Well, Makaya won, so it was uh, Car 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 Marie Matos Vargas whose O went right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then uh, the same night on Saturday, October fifteenth, but for, oh, actually the afternoon here in the in the United States. Actually, no, it was that night because they they actually was Sunday in Australia on ESPN. Shernika Johnson survived a horrible uh, gash to her forehead yeah. to score the unanimous decision in a 10-rounder over veteran Susie Ramadan, 122 pounds for the IBF. I've never seen Shernika Johnson fight before this fight, and I was pretty impressed, uh, David. Mm-hmm. She's big for, for the weight class, and she had very good movement. She was tough. Ramadan was trying to make it more of a bra, and I think Shernika Johnson was able to put it all together in the second half and pull away. So I kind of do want to see more of her at 122 pounds. We have a big 122-pound fight this weekend coming up, and we'll talk about that in the calendar. But uh, what did you think of uh, Shanika Johnson? The way, able, and the way she was able to, you know, deal with that huge gash in her bloody nose. I mean, her face was a red mask, and she was just chugging right along. Go ahead. Uh, well, I, no, I didn't get to see the fight. I did see the gash, and okay. uh, it was pretty gruesome. But I did have one, one point to to talk about regarding her fight, is that I'm wondering if they're testing these girls. Because okay. I have some questions when I see girls that are built certain ways and have certain musculature. Uh, it's It's not normal. And I think that women are entering a phase where they can harm each other seriously. And I think that all should be tested. And I'm not, I'm not talking about these little chintzy uh, urine tests uh, that they do where they're only testing for certain things. Uh, they need a serious VADA type testing because uh, something's going to happen again. And uh, they, they need to do, make it a fair playing field. And I'm not saying that this girl is doing something irregular or illegal, but I still think they should be testing. That just screams, uh, mm-hmm. drug, you should be testing for PEDs. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that is a subject that we touched a lot, uh, touched a, uh, a lot of his show. And, you know, as far as the WBC, they do have a clean boxing program, but we haven't really seen them do much with it. I mean, they did catch... Alejandra Jimenez, and it led to her actually retiring from boxing, which we reported on a couple of shows ago. But I think that all the other sanctioning bodies should also account for some kind of testing for at least her top 10 or top 15, like the WBC has it planned or programmed for their clean boxing program. David? Uh, yes. But they, For instance, Clarissa Shields fought uh, – 
Savannah Marshall, they did do VADA testing. Mm-hmm. But there was no VADA yeah. testing for Michaela and Lisa Baumgartner. Why not? That doesn't yeah. make sense. Why well, not? I think, I think it has to, to get down to who's going to pay for it and the fact that female boxing, you know, is maybe coming along to um, to getting some purses, at least in that fight, in that fight card with Marshall and and, and Shield and, and Baumgartner and Mayer. But, I mean, as far as I know, I mean, the testing could run, you know, north of $20,000. So, hmm. you know, maybe Shield and Marshall were making enough money that they were willing to pay for it. And I don't know if Mayer and uh, and uh, Baumgartner were. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, I mean, there is questions uh, I'm looking at Ebony Bridges. Her, her uh, Instagram, and she was – uh, saying that she's asking for VADA testing and uh, she hasn't gotten a response from Shannon O'Connell regarding that. And that's a, you know, yes. a good example that it should be mandatory. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked for it, it should be done. There should be no mm-hmm. question. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and just find a way and find a way to pay for it. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if Eddie Hearn's going to put his neck out there after, you know, the whole Connor Ben thing. But you know, but uh, but you know that's something that that could be kept an eye on. And before we move on to the rest of of the fights that happened on October fifteenth, which obviously is the big one, Clarissa Shields, Selena Marshall, and Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner, and we'll talk about those. Let's join on the show for like I think the third or fourth time, Tijuana's <laughs> own two-time world champion, Miss. Kenia Enriquez. Kenia, how are you doing tonight? ¿Cómo estás hoy? Hola, ¿qué tal? Muy bien, muy contenta. Muchas gracias por recibirme aquí. Contenta de, de verte, de contenta de escuchar a David y también a Lupi. Well, actually, what I do want to stress is that Kenia is here in the, in the uh, two-minute round studio here in Tijuana, being that we're, you know, here in Tijuana. She just want to thank everybody for uh, for listening to the show and she wanted to uh, say that she's glad to hear uh, David and Lupi's voice through through the through the podcast. L- David, let me pass the baton on to you. Kenya, first, uh, happy birthday. Muchas gracias, 29 años ya. She says, thank you very much. I'm 29 years old now. So, so what did you do uh, first? What is you do to celebrate your birthday? Anything special? Que hiciste algo especial para celebrar tu cumpleaños. Claro que sí, levantarme a correr y una sesión de sparring con los chicos más duros de mi gimnasio. She said, of course she did. She got up and ran, and then she had a, a sparring session with the toughest guys in her gym, so that's what she did to uh, celebrate her 29th birthday. She, she's hardcore. <laughs> so, um, so, Kenya, tell us, uh, who do you train with, uh, which gym, and uh, what's it been like uh, fighting as a flyweight now? What, what, how does it feel to fight at a different weight division? The pregunta David, que con quién estás entrenando, en qué gimnasio y cómo te sientes ya estar peleando otra vez eh, como peso mosca y ya en una categoría diferente a, a lo que estabas haciendo anteriormente. 
Eh, este enero empecé en el gimnasio de Jíbaro Pérez, él es un dos veces campeón del mundo, llevamos trabajando 10 meses, me siento contenta de volver a 112 porque es mi peso natural y ya no tengo que sacrificar ni hacer ese esfuerzo, ahora estoy plenamente enfocada en competir. She says that since January of this year, she's been training with Raúl Jíbaro Pérez, a two-time world champion, and they've been working together for 10 months, and that she's happy to go back to 112 pounds because that's her natural weight class, and she doesn't have to sacrifice as much as before to get down to the 108-pound uh, weight division. What, what kind of sacrifices did she have to make as a light flyweight? I mean, aside from not eating as much. what she was eating uh, and actually, you know, her life outside of boxing, you know, her, her strength and conditioning, her physical work had to be more strenuous and also her runs had to be longer runs. You know, before she, on fight week, she would have to run for an hour a day during fight week to try to make the weight. And now she only has to do half of that to get down to 112 pounds. Jeez. So what does she know about her, her, uh, Next opponent uh, this Friday, and uh, how does she feel about fighting at home in Tijuana? ¿Qué sabes de tu siguiente rival, Nora Cardosa, y cómo te sientes de pelear eh, otra vez en tu ciudad natal de Tijuana? Eh, Nora Cardosa es una peleadora con mucha experiencia, ya tiene grandes nombres en su lista de rivales. Viene de enfrentar a Lupita Bautista, que ella es campeona del mundo. También enfrentó a Kim Car Car Clavel en en Canadá, así que es una peleadora fuerte, estoy contenta de ese reto, y pelear en Tijuana, solo puedo decir que se me dibuja una sonrisa en la cara porque amo pelear frente a mi gente, y llevo cuatro años sin hacerlo, así que, más que feliz. She says that uh, Norda Cardoso is, is an experienced fighter, she, she's fought uh, some good names in her career, she's fought uh, Lupita Bautista two times, a former world champion, she fought Kim Clavel, so she's expecting a good challenge from her. And then when she thinks about fighting in Tijuana, she gets a big smile on her face because she loves fighting in her hometown. And it's been about four years that she has not fought in Tijuana. So she's very happy to be back here again. And, and uh, the following day, uh, uh, there's going to be another flyweight battle between uh, Areli uh, Usino and, uh, and uh, what, I forget her name. Uh, uh, and, uh, because uh, it's, it's, it's she's Argentinian, so she has three names: Leonela, Leonela, Paola, Yudica. Yeah, there you go. So, so yeah. how, how, what is her opinion of that? Is she going to be attending that fight? Este, que el siguiente día de tu pelea va a haber una pelea por el título de la FIB entre la Ley Muncino y la Argentina Leonela Paola Yudica. ¿Qué es, qué es tu opinión sobre ese combate y que si vas a a, a ir a, a la pelea? 
principalmente espero salir con muy bien, sin ningún golpe en la cara, salir con la victoria para poder hacer el plan de ir. Claro que, que quiero estar en esa pelea. Es muy importante el resultado porque estoy en esa división. Areli la, la, la vi últimamente en una función de top rank y le, le decía todo el éxito porque al final del día si llega a ganar esa, eh, la mexicana Areli Muciño pues sería más fácil hacer la pelea entre dos mexicanas y de verdad que estoy deseosa por ir por el cinto y sé que esa sería una buena pelea para todos los fans del boxeo. She says that she's expecting first to get a win and get and come out, you know, fairly clean in her final fight, and then she will be planning to go into the fight on Saturday night in San Diego. And she says that it's a very important fight because it's a fight in her weight division and it's for a title. And you know that she ran into Arely Monsigno a couple months ago at a top rank show here in San Diego, and she wished her all the luck in the world because she wants Arely Monsigno to win because she feels that it will be easier, excuse me, to make a fight between two Mexicans, and that is a fight that the fans would like to see, two Mexicans fighting for a world title. Well, Kenya, thank you very much, and uh, I'm going to pass you on to uh, Lupi. Hi, Kenya. Hi, Lupi. Hi. Uh, congratulations on fighting in your hometown. Um, is the the vibe or, or the feeling different for you in TJ now that you're back to fight? Are the friends, are your friends and fans really excited? Dice que si sientes eh, como una vibra diferente aquí en la ciudad de Tijuana con tus amigos, con tu familia y si están emocionados de verte pelear aquí en Tijuana. Claro, hace unos días me habló mi sobrina de cuatro años, la hija de mi hermana que, que ella también pelea, Tania Enríquez. Y simplemente ver su carita de tía, voy a estar ahí echándote porras, yo creo que cambia todo el ambiente. Y así fue con mi familia y así es con mis amigos. Totalmente la vibra cambia y se siente la felicidad. Sí, 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 you know, make, called her a video call and she told her that her niece told her that she was going to be there rooting for her. And actually, it's the first time that her niece is going to see her fight live. And she's seen her mom fight live two or three times, if not more. But it's the first time that her niece will see her fight live. So her niece told her that, you know, she's going to be there rooting for her and, and yelling for her. And it's the same thing from the rest of her family and her friends. They're all excited to see her fight back in, in Tijuana. Uh, it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. Sí, que va a esperar, que espera que va a hacer mucho ruido, que va a estar una locura. Por eso mismo espero yo. Sé que la gente está esperando volverme a ver arriba de un ring. Hice algo increíble en mayo. Espero hacer lo mismo el, el viernes. She says she expects the, the same, and she thinks that a lot of people have been waiting for her to see her back in the ring. It was crazy when she fought back in May, and now that it's here in Tijuana, she expects even more. Oh, that's great. Um, how was your meet and greet last weekend in Chula Vista? ¿Qué cómo te fue con el meet and greet en Chula Vista? Me fue muy bien. Recibí muchos regalos por parte de mi cumpleaños y muchos fans fueron a tomarse fotos. Varios fans me enseñaron fotos cuando yo gané mi título de Norteamérica y el del mundo ahí en San Diego. Muchos me platicaron cuando me veían empezar en Exxon Plaza. 
eh, eh, ahí en San Diego, entonces feliz de volver a compartir con ellos también y de volver a ver memorias. She says that it went very well. She got some presents for her birthday and that uh, a lot of people oh. showed up, you know, took pictures with her and showed her pictures of that they had taken with her or of her uh, back in, in when she had won the NABS title here in San Diego and when she won her oh. first world title back in, in 2014, they had been there. So they came and showed her the pictures and took pictures with her. So she had a, a really good time. Yeah, you know, she must be a fan favorite because everybody who meets her must just fall in love with her. Dice que, que sí eres como, como una de las favoritas de los fans porque cualquier persona que te conoce se enamora de ti. Muchas gracias, de verdad que siempre les devuelvo todo el amor que me dan porque al final sin ellos yo no fuera la persona que soy ahora y sin ellos nadie me quisiera ver. Y gracias a los mm -hmm. fans que siempre han tenido viéndome, apoyándome, siempre estoy, uh, estoy vigente al final del día. And she says that she's thankful for all the people that support her, that if it wasn't for them, she wouldn't be where she's at, and that she's always very appreciative and likes to spend time with the people that have supported her for all this time and, and made her who she is up to this point. You know, she was recently at the university in Ensenada. What was she, what was she doing there? Que recientemente estuviste en la Universidad de, de Ensenada. ¿Qué estabas haciendo ahí? Eh, tuve lo, la invitación de la, una de las mejores universidades de aquí de Baja California, Xochicalco, para ir a hablar con sus deportistas uh, por medio de la historia de mi vida y poder inspirarlos, ya que ellos están compitiendo y también están buscando cumplir sus sueños. Y por medio de mi historia fui a, a contarles que el trabajo no es fácil, pero siempre los sueños se cumplen si le metes amor, lealtad a tu sueño y sobre todo trabajo duro. She was invited by uh, one of the best universities in Baja California, which is called Xochicalco, to go and speak to the athletes. There are these uh, athletes that are on a scholarship at the university and kind of to tell them their, her story of how she got to where she's at and what she need, what you need to invest in, in a career as a professional athlete, you know, and she mentioned that, you know, you have to, you know, believe in your dream and invest in your dream and, and that it comes with a lot of love but a lot of hard work as well. So she went and gave a talk. Oh, that's perfect. You know, I know she thought with this big event in the U.K., uh, the female card, I know she was just like us and thought it was great and, and everything. Was there a time that she thought she was going to get left behind because champions didn't want to fight her? And when did she, if she did feel that way, when did she stop feeling that way? ¿Qué te diste cuenta este último fin de semana que hubo esta gran cartelera en Londres y que, y que están haciendo este, esta nueva ola de peleadoras y de buenas peleas entre mujeres? Pero si uh, hubo un momento en tu carrera que sentiste que, que te iban a dejar como en el camino porque las las campeonas no querían pelear contra ti y si te sentiste así ¿cuándo dejaste de sentir de esa forma? Creo que, que ver ahora tanto boxeo femenil me inspira mucho ya estamos viendo carteleras increíbles llenas de mujeres talentosas en algún momento fui muy evitada por, porque al final del día las campeonas saben lo talentosa que soy pero siempre mi sueño ha sido más grande que eso. Siempre que he estado desanimada, 
he buscado otra solución, como cuando ya no pude estar en 108 compitiendo y que vi que la espera por el cinto del Consejo Mundial fue tanta, pues vamos a, a seguir buscando otra solución y fue subir a 112. Y aquí estaré en la 112 esperando mis oportunidades, trabajando por ellas también. Y si no se dan, voy a buscar soluciones. She says that, you know, she's inspired by the recent, you know, activity in, in female boxing and, and, you know, she gets to watch the fights and she gets inspired by them. And, um, you know, before when she was fighting 108 pounds and, and she wasn't getting the opportunity to, to fight in that weight class for the world title, has she, like she had been asking about, she knows that the other champions know how talented she is and that's why they avoid her. But whenever she has felt unmotivated, um, she kind of just looks for solutions, and the solution uh, at 108 was to move up to 112 and look for an opportunity at 112, and that's where she's at right now. And um, and if something happens and she doesn't get the opportunity at 112, then she's going to start looking for solutions. Nice. Another one who I think will be is totally welcomed. <laughs> um, you know what? We're looking forward to your fight, and is it going to be live-streamed anywhere? Yeah, because and I'll answer that question. The fight's going to be in Latin America at ESPN Knockout, and in the United States, it's going to be broadcast on Canela.tv, which I think it's an app. I don't know if it's free or it costs a little bit of money, but they do show, they've shown other fights. They've been running a series there. They're going to be showing this, this fight on there. Great. All right, Kenya, go get it. She speaks about, you know, looking for solutions at 112 pounds and the fact that she's ranked 112, I mean, number one for all three divisions, I mean, all three sanctioning bodies at 112, you know, that is part of the solution. But if it was up to her, Who of those world champions would she like to face? This is que, que busca soluciones en las 112 libras para que tengan la oportunidad y parte de esa solución está clasificada número uno en todos los organismos. Pero si fuera tu decisión, ¿cuál de esas campeonas te, te gustaría enfrentar eh, primero? Me gustaría enfrentar a Marlene Esparza, que es una vieja conocida. Ya hemos compartido eh, ring, hemos hecho sparring, ella ha venido sabiendo del talento que tengo. Y ella ha probado mi poder, así que la busco directamente a ella. También me facilitó teniendo dos cintos en este momento. Así que esa sería mi pelea de ensueño. She says that the one that she would go after is Marlene Esparza. They're old. They know each other from a long time ago. Marlene Esparza came to Tijuana searching for Kenya's talent to spar, and, she, and Marlene Esparza felt her power. So that is who she wants to take on first. And Esparza just made it even easier for her because she has – two titles, the WBA and WBC, and that's who she wants to go and take the titles from. Ahora, este, en un par de, well, in a couple of weeks, you're going to be traveling to Acapulco, Mexico, for the WBC convention. Um, what, what are you expecting to do there, and what do you expect for the WBC to, to mandate or to do for you um, uh, as far as for a world title opportunity? En dos semanas va a estar viajando a... Acapulco para estar en la convención del Consejo Mundial de Boxeo. ¿Qué esperas de esa convención del Consejo Mundial de Boxeo? Y si esperas algo por parte del organismo en, en ayudarte en hacer tu sueño realidad y enfrentarte a Marlene Esparza. 
eh, espero que este viaje sea provechoso para nuestro equipo. Estaré pidiendo a Mauricio Sulaimán la oportunidad de estar disputando el título con Marlene Esparza. Espero como la AMB ya hizo que Marlene Esparza peleara contra Eva Guzmán mandatoriamente. Ahora espero que el consejo lo haga también, que la, la, la empujen un poco a que haga su pelea mandatoria y como dijiste, estoy número uno, entonces tiene que ser contra mí, no hay manera de, de que se esconda ese dato ahora o no hay manera de que me hagan esperar más tiempo como lo hicieron en las 108 libras She says that she hopes that the trip to Acapulco and to the WBC convention is an advantageous one for her and her team She's going to look to speak to Marisa Suleiman and to kind of ask him to mandate Uh, a world, an opportunity that gives Marlene Esparza since the WBA mandated Esparza to face uh, the the number one ranked fighter at, at the WBA at that time, which is Eva Guzman. Now it's her, Kenny Enriquez. Um, she would want for the WBC to kind of push Marlene Esparza in, you know, defending against her number one ranked fighter, which is her, Kenny Enriquez. And my last question is, Her next opponent, Nora Cardoza, experienced fighter who has only been stopped once by one former uh, world champion, Jessica Kika Chavez. Can, would she dare to call or predict a knockout on Friday night? Tu rival del viernes, Nora Cardoza, solo ha sido detenida una vez en su carrera y ha sido por otra campeona del mundo, Jessica la Kika Chavez. ¿Te atreves a, a decir que la vas a noquear este viernes? Claro que sí, lo platiqué con mi entrenador Jíbaro Pérez, que estoy lista para noquearla, que quiero ese knockout, que solo espero que me guíe muy bien porque el trabajo duro ya lo hicimos. She says, of course I do. I dare to say that I'm going to knock her out. I spoke to my trainer earlier this week, Jíbaro Pérez, and we talked about it, and I asked him to guide me the right way in that fight for me to be able to uh, get that knockout, which is what I want. Bueno, eh, Kenia, muchas gracias por estar con nosotros. Thank you, Kenia, for being here with us. We thank you and we wish you all the luck this Friday night. Te damos las gracias y te deseamos toda la suerte este viernes en tu pelea. Muchas gracias a ti, Felipe. Muchas gracias, David. Rupi. Espero que este viernes estén atentos de mi pelea. Les regalo este triunfo porque siempre están siguiéndome. Muchas gracias por los deseos de cumpleaños. Espero que estén bien y nos encontremos pronto. Thank you to everybody on the show, Felipe, David, and Lupe. I thank you for having me on the show once again. I dedicate this win to you guys because you guys have always been following me, and I hope that everybody can uh, take the opportunity to watch the fight uh, on Friday night. Bye, Kenya. Bye. Bye, Kenya. See you. And there you have it, two-time world oh champion God. Kenya Enriquez, who is going to be fighting this Friday night on ESPN Knockout in Latin America. And what's well, going to be broadcast on ESPN Knockout in Latin America and on Canela TV in the United States. If you guys get a chance to catch it, you'll be able to watch it there. And she was very vocal and very adamant about who she wants to face coming out with the win this Friday night. She wants Marlene Sparta. David, what do you think? You have it on mute? Uh, yes, I had her mute. I think it's very possible that she gets that fight with Marlon. I mean, uh, when you're ranked number one and all the organizations can do, but fight you. I mean, I think, and before you, Lupe, I think 
at um at, at 112 pounds, there's a lot of possibilities there. You know, you got Marlene Esparza, you got Kenya, you got um you know Marlene Muncino. She comes out with the win against Yudica. You got this new girl coming out of Argentina, 13-0, five knockouts, WBA champion Gabriela Lachuki Alanis. You could even mm-hmm. um, venture to say that maybe Jessica Neri Plata or the winner Jessica Neri Plata and Kim Clavel can go up to 112. You could have, you know, Evelyn Bermudez, who's a 108-pound champion, go up. Maybe Sinise Estrada decides to go up. She's fought at 112. So there's a lot of Yocasta Valle. At one point, Yocasta Valle and Kenny Enriquez were going to fight, and the fight fell through years and years ago. But there's a little bit of bad blood there as well. So they could be – Yocasta Valle could be going up. So, hey, I wouldn't put it past Kenya that if she has two or three good training camps, she even goes back down to 108 because – you know, when she weighs in, she weighs in like, you know, not, I mean, her last, in her last weighing, which the fight was ranked at, uh, I mean, it was, it was programmed at 112 pounds. She actually mm-hmm. weighed in for her last fight in May at, uh, I think it was close to, um, it was 110 and a half. And both fighters, and it was, the fight was made at 100, it was made at flight weight, and both Kenya and, Actually, Kenya weighed 110.5, and her opponent weighed 110 and a quarter. So I'm thinking if Kenya has a good fight camp and she really wants to do it, she can go back down to 108. But I think the opportunities that she's looking for were 112 since she had been she was left waiting and waiting and waiting at 108. Loopy. Yeah, you you named um, some great fights that can be made. From Bermudez to Yocasta, if she would take it, the Aureli one, I, that would be a really great fight. Just by, if you get us, the fans who really know, that would be a really great fight. You get outside people who look at those two and say, you know what, that's a beautiful fight. There's there's a lot for Kenya. There is a lot for her. And she's got a great attitude. She's going to she's gonna grab everything she can. So first she would have to get through uh... – you know, Nora Cardoza this Friday night and mm-hmm. then go to the convention and see what she can muster up over there and then go from there. So there you have it, two-time world champion Kenya Enriquez from Tijuana, Mexico on the show. But let's mm-hmm. move on to the main course here, and that was from London on ESPN Plus, Carisha Shields scoring United in a 10-rounder to unify the IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO world titles at 160 pounds. Scores there were 97, 93, two times, and 96, 94. And Kikela Mayer scoring a split decision. I mean, I'm sorry, Alicia Baumgartner scoring a split decision <laughs> win over Mikaela Mayer to unify the IBF, WBC, and WBO title. Scores were 97, 93 for Mayer and 96, 95, two times from Baumgartner. Lupi, give us your thoughts first on Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, and then Mayor Baumgartner. You know, Clarissa and Savannah, that was, I wanted to listen to it um, on silent because I was listening to how close everybody was calling it, but I didn't see it as a close fight. I thought it was, I didn't see Clarissa against the rope. They were like, she got her against the rope. She didn't have her against the rope, but it was like, Clarissa, get her away from the rope. It was, I've never... I mean, Clarissa was just everything. She was fast and focused. Savannah, 
you know, I really like Savannah after this fight. She's just so poised and so gracious. But what was that that move? Her, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? She get moving side to side. Mm. What was that? I mean, but it was a great fight, and I think Clarissa Shields. It was unanimous. I think I gave um, uh, Savannah one round. Clarissa was very nice, and she said she gave her three rounds, but I gave her like one. David. It was just. Uh, it was exactly what I expected. I, I've always said that Clarissa is the greatest female fighter mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I've never mm-hmm. seen anybody with those kind of uh, uh, physical tools and skills. She just has it all. And I've been mm-hmm. watching boxing for like women's boxing for 30 years, and I just never seen anybody like her. And so mm-hmm. I was not surprised. I know people. Uh, some people were in love with Savannah Marshall's power numbers and the fact that she has all these knockouts, but it's not that easy to hit somebody who's that quick and that agile mm-hmm. as Caressa, and that's what happened. Savannah couldn't really find her. Uh, she took a lot of blows, even though she wasn't seriously hurt. You still get hit with punches in the face. You're, it's going to daze you. It may not mm-hmm. knock you out, but it's going to daze you. And that's what happened. But it was Savannah proved to be very, very tough, even tougher than I thought. Because I thought about midway that there was a chance that she could be, you know, just overrun by Clarissa. But no, she held her ground and then mounted mm-hmm. her own rally, and uh, it was a good fight. It was the first time Clarissa actually lost some rounds. You know, that's mm-hmm. rare. That's very rare. Yeah. You know. Although, although Clarissa had tasted the canvas before when she fought Hannah Gabriels and went down in, in one of those rounds, I think that this is the first time that we've seen, or at least I've seen, Clarissa get hit pretty flush, pretty hard with some right hands by Mike, with by um, um by Savannah Marshall, um, and that was pretty uh, that was pretty impressive by the side of Savannah Marshall that you know she was able to do that because like David says. Clarissa Shields has everything, you know. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if you gotta find a weakness, might be a little bit of her defense, you know, because mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, those punches got through, and 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 that punch that dropped mm-hmm. her, like Anna Gabriel went through. But other than that, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no denying it was unanimous decision. I think 96-94 is a little bit too generous for Savannah Marshall. And one thing mm-hmm. that I that I saw. I mean, I saw it during the fight, but one thing that I saw more because people posted some like quick videos on social media is the lack of the lack of footwork by Savannah Marshall. Which, when you're mm-hmm. fighting, you know, the opponents that she had faced before Marshall, you don't really notice because you know they're they're walking right up to her and she's punching them out mm-hmm. and, and knocking them out and scoring these big mm-hmm. knockouts. But when you have somebody like Clarissa Shields that you know, has a technique and knows how to use it and knows how to use her mm-hmm. footwork. And you see Savannah Marshall trying to keep up with that and she can't because she doesn't know how, then it really exposes it. So mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting as well that Clarissa has stated that um, that she's going to fight one more time uh, in boxing before – she, I believe she stated not too long ago, a couple of days ago, that she was going to fight in the beginning of 2023 in boxing 
and then she's going to train and fight a couple times in MMA and then not come back to boxing till the end of the year. And she didn't, um, she didn't, um, you know, close the door in a rematch with Savannah Marshall, which I don't know why we would have one, but she said that if, if I mean, if the people wanted it and if it makes sense that she was willing to do it, um, but, mm-hmm. you know, she even said that she was even willing to go down to all the way down to 147 to find um, some some uh, some good opponents for her, not mentioning Cecilia Breakhouse, but just saying, you know, the one that was a champion before at 147 um, didn't want to face me, um, but I'm willing to go down there and face uh, anybody at a 147 as well. I don't see that as the way to go for the current undisputed welterweight champion, Jessica McCaskill. I think McCaskill is a small welterweight coming up from, you know, 135, and she's going to be fighting, which we're going to go over in, um, in, uh, in uh, I think, are we going over in that? In the, yeah, this weekend. Oh, actually, not this weekend, but soon enough, we'll talk about it in the uh, upcoming mm-hmm. calendar. So uh, that was pretty impressive. Now, moving on to Michaela Mayer against uh, Alicia Baumgartner. I actually scored the fight. And I scored it an even 95-95. I had it a draw. I had a couple of close rounds that could have gone either way, maybe leaning more towards Baumgartner, but I I had him close. But one thing that I didn't do was um, score 10-10 rounds because I think, and I think that's a a bone that I have to pick with the judges who, let me tell you who the judges are. Let's see. If you're a if you're a, a world title, whether it be female or male, I don't care who it is, and you're a world title um, judge who's getting paid and who has judged fights before, like Steve Gray and John Latham, and you're scoring a round ten. There's four criteria to score a round, and you can't decide who to give it to with four criteria and with the experience you have and you give a 10-10 round and that's how they got to 96-95, then I think that that should be looked at by the sanctioning body that appointed those fighters, uh, appointed that those judges. So, I mean, I'm not arguing with the, with the win for Bob Garner. I don't, I mean, if you tell me that she won and we watched the fight, I, I could, I can see it that me way, too. and if you would have told me that Mayer won, then I can see it that way also. Mm-hmm. But if I was scoring the fight and I scored it, I I literally scored it a, a draw, ninety five, ninety five, David. Yeah, it very it could very well have been a draw. Uh, I think uh, one thing that would have made a big difference if it was three minute rounds. The three-minute rounds would allow you to separate the two, but two-minute mm-hmm. rounds—it's just not enough time. There's not True. enough. They were both very skilled, and another minute would have really separated them. I've talked to many judges, and that's the one thing they—they they don't like about women's boxing—is the two-minute rounds. They say it's not. They even admit it's not enough time to judge a fight like that, especially between two high-quality quali- women. To, to differentiate who's the winner. And this fight was a good example of that. It was so I close. Probably, I think it's probably the best example that's out there, David. Or maybe even those Delphine yeah. Pursuit fights against Katie Taylor. Or you could even argue yeah. for a different reason. 
call Amanda Serrano and Katie Titter because like we all came to agreement that if Amanda Serrano would have three minutes that round where she hurt Katie Taylor, it probably wouldn't have gone to the decision of Amanda Serrano losing. So mm-hmm. um, there has been some great examples in the last two or three years, if not in the last year, with Amanda Serrano and Baumgartner and Mayer. Now, Baumgartner, you know, very a lot of bad blood between her and, and Mayer, and, you know, immediately after the fight, she said she's not going to give Mayer a rematch and that she wants to do Undisputed, and she's going to go out after Huming Choi, Eddie Hearn, who is the uh, promoter for Matchroom Boxing, and the promoter of both Alicia Baumgartner and Huming Choi, say that that is a possibility in 2023 and early 2023 to see that fight. Um, and Mayer, on her... By her way, you know, she's act, she's disputing the decision, like, which is her right, which the fight was close enough. Um, and she's saying that, you know, that if Baumgartner wants to, you know, give the fans what they want and make a crap load of money, which um, maybe ESP, uh, Top Rank's telling her that they're willing to pay, they should do the rematch. So, but, but, but definitely Baumgartner has said that her next fight, if it can be made, will be against human Choi Lupi. So I, mm-hmm. I'm sure you agree with Baumgartner saying that that's the best way for her to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's on to take all the belts. And who's next? Human Choi, which is the same thing that um, Michaela Mayer would have done. I saw on social media um, Baumgartner jumped on Choi's uh, post where she had won that last fight a week ago, and they were both saying that they would make the fight. And that's a good but, point that you made, Lupi. What would Mayer would have done if if it would have been as close as we saw it, but instead of having 96-95 for Baumgartner, it would have been for her, split decision, mm-hmm. would she be so adamant and willing to give the rematch to Baumgartner before going after human choice? I think that she'll be doing the same thing as Baumgartner. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. And I think you're right, Felipe. Um, you know, it could have been a draw. It could have won anyway. I don't feel like getting mad about the decision because it could have it could have won anyway. And David, I think you're right. Three minutes would have told it, it would have changed the fight. You know, for a fight that I thought was going to burn the house down and be, it didn't live up to the hype. And uh, I, I was, I think that Michaela, you know, when she went after Hamadouche, she fought Hamadouche's fight and and won. I think Michaela fought. Baumgartner's fight and tried to box and you can't leave it in the hands of the judges. She, you know, she should have fought like she fought Hamadouche. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that, that, I mean, in my opinion, I think she had some trouble with, um, with Baumgartner's hand speed and, Mm -hmm. and if she was trying to mix it up with her and like in the beginning rounds, she wasn't having, uh, a lot of success or as much success as she expected or wanted. So that's why she kind of actually, which I thought it was the smart move was to actually try to box and try to stay on the outside and use her, her, her length and her, and her height to, to stay on the outside. And that really worked for her in the middle rounds, which I think the, those mm-hmm. were the most, yeah. the, the most clearly yeah. won by Mayer. And then kind of like, mm-hmm. she kind of let her foot off the gas at the end. And that's how, and my card, uh, and it ended up a draw, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she kind of uh, 
should have. Well, you know what? I kind of blame it on the trainer a little bit, on Michaela's trainer. He kind of congratulated her on the second of the last round as if to tell her, well, you won this fight, you can cruise. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, you got to go all the way. This is this is not a dominating win, you know, if you think it was a win. I knew it was close, and I thought that was a mistake on the part of the trainer to kind of congratulate yeah. her in the ninth round. I would not have done that, never, because like, it was uh, a very close fight. Kind of like a... Uh... Oscar de la Hoya and Tito Trinidad. Exactly. Exactly. You never cruise. You never know what's going on with the judges. Same thing with mm-hmm. Teofimo Lopez when he fought uh, uh, Cambosas. Cambosas. Same thing. Yeah, yeah so, you can't. Yeah, you can't let up the, out in the gas pedal. Especially in that, that kind of fight. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. Shields, let's see who she fights in the first trimester of 2023, and then she moved on to MMA for the rest of the year, comes back at the end of the year of 2023. Let's see what Savannah Marshall does. If she stays at 160, she goes up to 168 and looks for Franchon Cruz. Franchon Cruz was in the house and was calling her out right then and there. So um, let's see if Marshall takes the bait, <laughs> goes up to 168. Let's see if Baumgartner gets the human choice fight, and let's see if Mayer hangs around at 130 or finally moves up to 135 like she had said she would do. Also on that fight card, uh, it was an all-female fight card with Drini Fush uh, winning, Caroline Dubois winning, Ebony Jones winning, mm-hmm. you know, all development fights. So they all mm-hmm. took wins in that fight. And on Wednesday, October 19th, the other, the missing puzzle of the 130-pound uh, crown is the WBA champion, Human Choi, which is, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I mean, first, the fight was announced for the WI, uh, WIBA, which is the Women's International mm-hmm. Boxing Association uh, mm-hmm. title, which is a, a, a long, a long, that, that sanctioning body has been around for a long time. And it used to be considered, you know, a a a a. a res- it's still. I don't know. I'm not, not going to go on the limb and saying it's a respectable world title anymore. But at one point it was. But once the four major sanctioning bodies went in, then it kind of got taken by the wayside. Surprisingly, the fight for Human Choi against Vanessa Bradford was originally announced for that world title, and then probably about a week or a week and a half at the most, two weeks before, if that it got changed to the WBA as a defense for her world title, which she won, you know, with 190 and 96, 94, two times, which those, those uh, cards are really weird. I mean, 96, 94, and then a hundred. So one judge saw it all the rounds for human choice. And then the other two judges saw it six, four for human choice. So that's a weird one, but she defended, she got it out of the way. And now it's, Let's wait to see what they do with Baumgartner. I'm just thinking about Baumgartner and Human Choice. I think Baumgartner is going to knock her out, and then she's going to become the oh, undisputed 130-pound yeah. yeah. champion. But <laughs> let's wait to see what happens in the first trimester of 2023 and see if they make that fight. Mm-hmm. And lastly, in the um, in the fight results, uh, this last Thursday from Indio, California on the zone, 
former strawweight champion Anabel Ortiz scoring an unanimous decision over Maria Michelle Santizo in an eight-rounder, 108 pounds. Scores there were 79-73, 78-74, and 77-75, which to me seems even that 78-74 seems pretty generous. I mean, I don't even know if I would give Michelle Santizo a round. I just, I just can't believe that this woman, and I'm not throwing any dirt on her, but just the way that she fights, the way that she stands, and the way that she throws punches, I can't believe that she has fought two, one world champion. She challenged for a world title against Denise Estrada, and then um, she fought a uh, former world champion, Anabel Ortiz, in her last fight. Um you know, and kudos to her that she was able to go the distance with Ortiz, even though she has only four knockouts and almost 30 fights for Ortiz. I thought she was going to knock her out, but Michelle Santel, Santiso must have a, 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 a granite chin because she was able to take everything, uh, which was a lot. I mean, Ortiz was landing a lot of punches and was able to go to the eight rounds. David, did you get a chance to see the fight? Or I think you were in the, in the fantasy strings, right? Uh, Yeah. Well, no, I didn't see the fight live. I saw it on TV. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I was really shocked at her inaccuracy. Man, she must have missed 80% of her blows. I mean, she just she couldn't find uh, the side of the barn. <laughs> I just don't know. I, I mean, I, we interviewed, I interviewed her before, and I think she told me she had over 100 amateur fights, and I just can't. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I don't want to, I just, it's just, I don't think she's at the level where she's fighting at. And that's, and that's a shame. I mean, she is a little bit older. So I'm sure that that's why, that's the reason why they're looking to, you know, make some big fights and make some money and give her some opportunities. But just at the level that she's at, in my opinion, and what I've seen, she's just not at the level of be fighting with, fighting with current or former world champions. Let me tell you how old she is. She's 37, so that makes all the sense in the world that they got to get her going um, as soon as they can. And, you know, she's 10-2 uh, with six knockouts, and she's been stopped once. But, I mean, I can't – I don't know. I mean, it's just – I don't even know. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see her again in a major fight. And if we do, I don't know who it would be against that it would be credible <laughs> for her to challenge. So, so there you have it. So, um, other than that, um, any fight chatter, anything that you want? Oh, how was your trip to Las Vegas, Lupi, and, and what did you see at the uh, International Women's uh, Boxing Hall of Fame? Oh, my God, it was incredible. But the things that stand out are there was the first Native Americans, two women who they had their first, uh, they were the first Native Americans to get their boxing license in California, and she was 74. And the other one had just passed away. And there was also the first, um, the first Pat Pineda. Um, the, the first Native Americans were Darlene Buckskin and Teresa Kirby. But the first pro female in California is Pat Pineda. First one to get a license. And, I mean, she had a lot of firsts. It was incredible. She actually um, was Beautiful Brawlers. If anybody, if you guys know, Beautiful Brawlers is an amateur program. And uh, over here in Northern California, the all-female amateur shows, and she was beautiful brawlers before beautiful brawlers. So she had, Papineta had no one to fight, so she went to a local gang in San Pedro, California, called out the gang leader and said, you guys, you guys like to fight, come to my gym. So that was, they called them the ultimate 
the unique something, and that was their beautiful brawlers. They had all these girls from the gangs that became boxers. So that was one of the best things we heard. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> it was crazy. interesting. So there's, yeah, you learn so much from Sue Fox's event. I mean, it, it was incredible. But you guys, next time you guys got to make it. Yeah, we got to try to go. David, you have anything on the pipeline that you want to share with our audience? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, there's developing stuff, but nothing I can really divulge. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully we can make it official in the next couple of weeks. So with that said, our next show is going to be on November 16th, which is about three weeks from now. Uh, so let's go through the upcoming calendar and the fights that we're going to be talking about um, in the next um, in the next three weeks, and that way we'll have our show on November 16th to talk about all these fights and anything else that develops. Starting this Friday, October 28th, from Buenos Aires, Argentina, Clara Lescurat, who is the WBA 115-pound title, will be facing Mexican Naila Hill Sanabria in a 10-rounder. I don't expect much from this fight. I'm familiar with Naila Hill Sanabria, and I'm sad to say that, you know, she's a natural junior flyweight. Um, she fought, her last fight was at 109 and a quarter pounds. Um, so she really fights at 108 pounds, and now she's going up to 115 to challenge uh, for the WBA title. So there's going to be a big discrepancy in size there. And then Clara Lascure is undefeated um, and, and seems to, uh, that, you know, she's a pretty solid champion at that weight class. So this is pretty much I believe, a stay busy type of fight for Clara Lescura and see what happens next for her because I don't see uh, Hill Salabria with 11 wins, four, knock, four losses, and one draw, five knockouts, putting up much of a fight when she's going to be uh, so much smaller. She's actually never fought any heavier than 112 pounds, and now she's going to be going um, at 115, so... so uh, I don't expect much there. And in Tijuana, Mexico, our special guest from this night's uh, show, Kenny Enriquez, will be facing Nora Cardoza in a scheduled eight-rounder at 112 pounds. That fight's going to be broadcast in the United States on Canela.tv and in um, Latin America on ESPN Knockout. On Saturday, October 29th, from London, England, on The Zone, Katie Taylor will be facing... Karen Carvajal of Argentina in a 10-rounder at 135 pounds, defending her IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO titles. Uh, I believe they, men they mentioned that Karen Carvajal is Katie Taylor's mandatory, but they didn't say by what organization. And I don't think Karen Carvajal is ranked number one by any of organizations. So they're pinning it on the WBO who doesn't have any rankings. Of who, so she's not really the mandatory. I mean, somebody just said that, and they're trying to pin it on the WBO, and she can't be a mandatory for the WBO because WBO doesn't even bother to do um, rank female rankings. So um, that it is what it is. Also on the same card, Mary Romero fights Ellie Scottney in a ten rounder, 122 pounds, um, for a European title um, from Mexico City. This fight was postponed, and now it's going to happen this. Saturday night on the Azteca channel, Johnny Mercado will be facing 
veteran Mariana Juarez, Barbie Juarez, in a 10-rounder defending her 122-pound WBC title. So, I mean, I see... I mean, in the in their primes and in a in a weight class that is more uh, advantageous for Mariana Juarez, I would see Juarez winning this fight because she's a better boxer than Mercado. But now at 41, mm-hmm. 42 years old, coming off these losses and in Mercado's weight class, I think Mercado is gonna be able to get the win in this fight. And what I found more interesting than that is what Juarez does after. I mean, she's had not that great of a run in the last couple of years. She hasn't really fought that often as she was before, and she's coming off some some. Well, she the, her last loss against Julianne Luna was, and if she were to lose here, it would be a tough fight. A tough fight. She's coming off a loss to Jackie Nava. There in itself, why is she getting a, a world title opportunity? But hey, it's a WBC, and the WBC loves the Juarez sisters, so. Um, that's why she's getting the opportunity. But um, you know, I, I'm more interested in what Juarez does after the after the fight if she's to lose. But like she's proven to us, at least she proved me wrong. David was all about it, but she proved me wrong when she beat um, uh, was it Catherine Feedy? Yeah, Catherine Feedy back in 2000. Not yeah, that was the uh, yeah the title because we had seen her lose against Daniela Bermudez pretty handedly in her first foray at 118 pounds. And then she went and beat Irma Garcia at 118. And then she fought for the world title, Catherine Fidi, uh, who had beaten um, – who did she beat for the title? She beat uh, Jasmine Rivas. Catherine Fides beat Jasmine Rivas, who was a pretty solid champion at, at 118 pounds. And then I thought that Fidi was going to be able to beat her. Mariana beats her, although there was a little bit of controversy with that. Actually, no, it was the controversy with when Jamilet won the title against the African. Um, but then beats Catherine Fidi and then goes on a, on a tear, beating Terumi Nuki, Alicia Graf, Gabriela Bouvier, who we mentioned earlier on the show, Carolina Arias. Terumi Nuki again, Susie Ramadan, who she who we just talked about against um, down in Australia, Eva Naranjo, Diana Fernandez, Carolina Duer from Argentina, and then she loses against Julian Luna. Controversy there. Mariana Juarez claims that Luna had something in her gloves, which she did not. It was proven right there in the ring. Comes back with the win over Alejandra Soto. Loses to Jackie Nava, and now we're here with Jamilet Mercado. Seems impressive, but she is 42 years old. She's going to be, I think next year she mentioned that it would be 25 years as her as a professional. So I think it's getting to the point where she needs to kind of think about what's next for her. And there is a lot of options. She, she's an actress. She's she's done a lot of other things outside of boxing in, in Mexico. So there's other things that she could do there as well. So we'll see what happens in that fight this Saturday night. And also, this next fight is part of the Nick Paul Anderson Silva fight card. But I think this fight is going to be broadcast on Showtime's YouTube channel before the pay-per-view part of it. And that is from Gila River in in Arizona. Shadisha Green will take on Ogledi Suarez in an eight-rounder at 168 pounds. 
And in San Diego, California, on the zone, Leonela Paola Yudica will be defending her IBF 112-pound title against Arely Monsignor in a 10-round. Arely Monsignor, the only Mexican female fighter to hold all four major sanctioning body world titles, but at 112 pounds, but at different times. She's been a WBC, IBF, WBA, and WBO champion in the past at different times. I don't think she's ever held two of the titles at the same time, but she's held all the titles at one time or another, and she's going to be looking for her second run at the IBF title, if I'm not mistaken, against Yolena Paola Judica. On Saturday, November 5th, from Queensland, Australia, Taylor Robertson faces Chaos Minowa in a 115-pound title eliminator. Chaos Minowa has been a former opponent of Kenny Enriquez at 108 pounds. So here's another light flight weight going up to 115 pounds to challenge uh, this time in a title eliminator. And that same day on November 5th, probably the most interesting fight of this whole uh, calendar uh, from Abu Dhabi in Dubai on the zone, Chantel Cameron takes on Jessica McCaskill at 10, oh, yeah. a 10 rounder at 140 pounds to unify the IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO titles. One thing that I find interesting and good for Team Ramos, the way they were able to negotiate this, that McCaskill is not losing her welterweight titles if she loses this fight. She could go up back to welterweight and still be the undisputed and, and, and unified world champion, if she wins the titles, I would imagine that she would have to decide whether she's going to stay at 140 or 147, David. Interesting. That's very interesting. I mean, she's very capable of uh, beating Cameron. You know, that's – until McCaskill took that fight, I thought Cameron was going to just run the, the division. But now, that's a really interesting fight to me. I really – uh, anticipate a, a tremendous fight because Kevin's pretty good and McCaskill is a handful. She can fight any yeah. different version. She has many styles. Now this yeah, weekend, I didn't mention it in the calendar because it was canceled, but this weekend there was going to be a fight card in the Bahamas where Mary McGee was supposed to fight former IBF light welterweight champion and also Jessica Camara. And then earlier... Um, Today, she didn't specify what weight class she was going to fight at, but also Erika Farias of Argentina said that she will be fighting before the end of the year, and she might be coming back at 140 pounds as well, a, 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 a weight class where she's trying to just Pascal twice. So there is some opportunity there for the winner, whether it be Cameron or McCaskill, to face some names um, in the 140 pounds, uh, Callie Reese, Obviously, is busy uh, being an actress, but if she comes back, there's another interesting name there for the winner of Cameron McCaskill. But first, we have to see who wins on November 5th from Abu Dhabi in Dubai and on the zone. The unification fight between Chantel Cameron and Jessica McCaskill on Saturday, November 12th from Manchester, England. I'm guessing it's going to be on ESPN Plus because it's by Sky. They think they have a deal. Natasha Jonas faces Canadian Mary Eve DeCary for the IBF, WBC, and WBO world titles. That's the unification side as well. And lastly, from Las Vegas, Nevada, and ESPN Plus, the same night, November 12th, Siniestra Estrada takes on Jasmine Gala Villarino to defend her WBA strawweight title, 105 pounds. David, before we go, I'm pretty disappointed in this fight. I thought that 
top rank and Sinis Estrada would want to make a bigger splash with the first fight under their banner. Gala Villarino, I mean, really, what can we expect? You know, I'll tell her record right now. She's from uh, Argentina, Buenos Aires. Tough fighters, but she has six wins, one draw, two losses. Not too old, 32 years old. I think she's uh, 28 or 29. She started off her career with a loss, a majority decision uh, in a four-rounder. She went and beat uh, Adriana Lorena Maldonado, Giselle Yolanda Sosa in four-rounders, Daniela Giselle Molina in another four-rounder. She fought to a draw in her fifth fight against a 1-0 fighter in Romina Giselle Sosa. Um, oh, she God. beat she beat in a unanimous decision her first sixth rounder Roxana Bermudez, who is the sister of Evelyn and Daniela <laughs> Bermudez. We followed her career here, and we all know well, that Roxana Bermudez is quite possibly the less, least talented of the, of the Bermudez triplets. Well, not triplets, but the three mm-hmm. sisters. Then she fights to another draw in her first ten rounder against Aileen Micaela Alejandra. Man, this girl has three names. Ayaline, Micaela, Alejandra, Gino. So three first names, or one first name, second name, third name. That's a lot of names. And then... uh, The backups. Yeah, then she beat... (laughs) And the reason that she's getting this title fight is because she holds the WBA gold minimum title, minimum weight title, 105 pounds. It was vacant. She beat... Venezuelan Jennifer Leon, who we had we had heard of, she stopped her in seven rounds, so she showed a little power power there, and then she defended that title in another ten rounder against Judith Vivanco in Mexico, who was ten four and one. <laughs> so this is going to be her fourth ten rounder, and she's going to be facing, you know, a pound for pound number one. 22 and 0 for Sinesa Estrada, who has about three times the amount of fights that she has. So, not that that she's a bad opponent, not that she doesn't deserve it because she's the WBA gold champion, but but of being Sinesa Estrada's first fight under top rank, you know, it has been about a year that Sinesa fought, but if you're at the level of Sinesa Estrada, and you're in the top 10 pound for pound in, in all the lists, you know, I don't think you need a tune-up like Jasmine Galaviarino after almost a year to get back in there. You, you could fight somebody a little bit tougher, in my opinion. That's just me talking. But that's what I think, David. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, uh, understanding the promoter, Top Rank is a very conservative promoter. They don't. They never jump into things. They never. Uh, they're very careful. The worst thing they they can see is they sign somebody like Sanisa, take her away, golden boy, give her a big contract, and then she gets a loss. That's not their style. They they always take the careful path, and in this case, that's why Sanisa uh, is fighting this person. And um, you know, it's she should win, but just in case. Something happens, you know, they're not going to give her a very, very, very uh, tough pump or pound fight right up the bat. That'll be I the next expect, one. I wouldn't expect a pound for pound fight. I just expect something just a little bit more exciting than this, and uh, or at least some intrigue, and that's what we're not getting 
on this fight, in my True. opinion. So um, there you have it, folks. That is our show. We thank Kenny Enriquez for being <laughs> on the show with us. Our next show is scheduled for uh, Wednesday, November the 16th. We'll be talking about all these fights and any other developing news from Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez, from Mr. David Allen, I'm Felipe Leon, and we bid you good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.